Hi and welcome back to the Bell Witch Podcast. I'm Swales, the Friendly Green Witch. And I'm Jodie from Mother Serpentine Tarot. And over the next three episodes we're looking into the Triple Goddess, the Maiden Mother and Crone. Find out how we meet these in our own lives. This episode is all about the Maiden, but we will also be sharing some juicy tidbits, including my secret recipe for magical goddess biscuits. Yum! This week in my witchy mum life, I've actually been really, really unwell with what seems to be like gallstones or a hernia or something along those lines. Yeah, it's been very painful. So I've been using lots of Reiki and energetic healing as well as resting and reading and yeah, trying to heal. I've been drinking loads and loads of garlic and turmeric and ginger um, just in boiling water to try and heal and revive myself Um, I call that get well soon and I always think I'll have a get well soon tea or I'll have some get well soon soup which is just garlic and ginger and turmeric (laughs) whacked in whatever soup I'm eating is it nice Um, though does it does it change it's not terrible yeah it's it's nice in a soup actually it just adds more flavor to it um as a tea I like sweet tea so it's not my favorite but it does make you feel better. Yeah, it's been a really, really good week for reading and researching for me because obviously I'm a pro tarot reader. Because I've been so unwell, I've been able to sort of step back and allow other people to take over this week in my work. Just been reading, researching and absorbing loads and loads of info. I've been, I read the Operation Cone of Power book and I'm rereading The Witch's Kabbalah by Ellen Cannon Reed at the moment and nice I did the last class for my um, first degree initiatory training Um, oh that's massive that isn't it yeah yeah it's been big big deal that three years now of doing that constantly yeah 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 so initiatory wicker is a branch of wicker which is related with obviously joining a coven and working in groups with people Um, but there's quite a lot of training required to get to that level and it can be very intense at times it can be very brain hurty and it can challenge a lot of the things that you thought that you knew which is was my experience of it was that there were things that I thought that I knew about that actually then I found out I just didn't so it's been a real experience and I'm really really excited now to have actually finished the training and be ready for initiation all being oh amazing well. yeah yeah that's exciting yeah. that's yeah. good how's your witchy week been oh it's been shite I've done <laughs> I've done any man <laughs> I've been doing a lot of podcast related reading and researching and looking at softwares and stuff I try and do a bit of manifesting and a bit of like thankful work every day it has been quite tough this weekend i've been on my own with my three girls so i've been entertaining them pulling a tarot card when i've got a bit of time but i've not really had much time what sort of cards did you pull i've or- i do them oracle ones at the moment are really good aren't they them i haven't done much tarot but i've done a lot of oracle what kind of oracle cards do you do you like do you because some people like um angel cards or fairies or animals dark sort of wickeny Witchy ones, foresty and fairies, darker fairies. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I don't, I'm not into angels. I like woodland type stuff. Um, I'm like that. I like stuff that feels quite 
earthy and natural and primal. Yeah, so um, they're not mostly independent as well. I do quite like independent cards. But mm. the problem with them is they're quite skinny because obviously people have to draw every card. And so you only get yeah. maybe 25 or less in a pack. So I was quite thin. I always wish they'd do like booster packs. That would be good. I have a deck that is the opposite of a deck at the moment. It's called the Ether Creatures deck. And the Tabby, who are the Tarot Association of the British Isles, Really, really good to join if you're interested in tarot. It's like £10 for a year and it's really, really supportive. Um, and they send out decks for people to review. And they sent me out this Ether Creatures deck and it's it's lovely, but it's 78 cards and the Oracle cards. Now, Oracle cards are usually really, really big. So these are really big and really, really thick. And it's like trying to shuffle a brick. <laughs> Is that the one you showed it's me huge. when I came round? I did, yeah. And you yeah, were the like, that... the drawings were just like cave drawings almost, weren't they? Cave sort of man drawings. They remind me of sort of like Pokemon. Um, I remember, yeah. They're very child, yeah, they're childlike, nice. weren't they? I remember. Yeah, I'd say they're for a younger audience, myself, but people like different things, don't they? Shall we dive in to it's the maiden? The maiden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got your spiel. I have. <laughs> Maiden Mother Crone, the three faces of Hecate, the archetypal triple goddess. We've chosen to explore this phenomenon, this series of archetypes, during the following three episodes. But what exactly is the Maiden Mother Crone? Now, in many Wiccan traditions and magical practices, there is a triple goddess who has three faces, which are called the Maiden, Mother and Crone, and each links with the waxing and waning of the moon, the ebbs and flows of the seasons, and the journey that many, but of course not all, women take throughout their lives. If you find yourself in the not all category, whatever the reason may be, you are welcome to listen and hopefully get something out of this talk. We will by no means be peddling the glory of um, owning a womb. Rather, we're just applying these to our personal lives as they fit us. Many people feel the pull of some aspects of the Maiden Mother Crone archetypes, and some may only feel occasional resonance. However, collectively, I do think that most people have felt drawn to the archetypes within this symbol and they do make excellent analogies and symbols for the patterns within the universe or god form that are more abstract than we or anyone can really easily discuss you may witness the maiden mother and crone in your own life or be aware of others meandering through these phases around you and we welcome you into these archetypes in our own lives and we're going to start with the maiden the maiden is the luminous pearl of youth, the vibrant child or the teenager on a journey of self-discovery. In the tarot, you might call her the fool, you know, the whimsical and wild spirit of adventure, that fresh soul ready to fall in the pitfalls throughout life. Maidens may also be the pages in the tarot, which are cards representing youth and potential. Maidens are highly sensitive, but they can be volatile as all hell. <laughs> um, and the maiden has a real sweetness to her and is completely lovable as all children are, with a playfulness and creativity radiating from her as she journeys to find herself. Ooh! Nice. Are you going to tell us about yes. your maiden story? <laughs> My maiden story. Well, I've got two little maidens bringing them up. I mean, I, I like the idea of 
They made them be like new beginnings and frolicking around belting and having fun and learning stuff. There's something quite open and honest and childlike about the maiden energy. I mean, of course, I mostly identify with mother, but that'll be next episode. But yeah, I think it's belting is the maiden time, isn't it? Or is it before then? The sad part that she's around, what would you say it was? I'd say probably, I'd say like spring and early summer. And then I'd say summer, maybe early autumn for mother. And then winter for crone. Autumn and winter for crone, yeah. I just know she's going to get jiggy with a god and get pregnant (laughs) to become (laughs) the mother. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the page in tarot. I always think my eldest Florence is like the page of cups, you know, with with the little fish. Yeah. Page of Pentacles, one of the pages. It's done with the fishes, the cups, yeah. She's like, she wants to begin new stuff, but then she gets a bit sort of worried. Mm. Bless her. Clem's page of wands through and through, isn't she? Page of wands, fiery action, get stuff done, think about it later. Not asked really about how it's going to go. She just wants to be right there in the middle of it. How do you incorporate being a witch into raising maidens? Do they follow in your path or are they just not interested? Or They're not interested, I don't think. They're a bit young yet, my two. My little one will probably be into it as she gets older, but she's she's only four. so. But we do stuff together, like we do planting and I always tell them to talk to the universe, mention three good things that's happened to you today and be thankful. So it's like a state of mind, isn't it? The maiden state of mind. I think they both know that the mum's a witch. <laughs> I wonder what they say at school, you know, when they're reading room on the broom. They're like, oh yeah, my mum's a witch. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I actually became a witch in my maidenhood. When I was a child, I had really, really severe behavioural difficulties. And I was just I was just a little ball of fire and emotion and I had absolutely no control whatsoever over my emotional world. I was very, very volatile and I was also really, really imaginative and creative and because my family obviously wanted an outlet for that, they really, really fed my imaginative world, which led me to a really, really firm belief in fairies and fair folk and I liked collecting crystals because they felt nice and they had lovely colours and I would leave them as a little fairy garden in the garden which was made of um, a Polly Pocket house, a Polly Pocket castle and I would put the crystals in there and I would make little fairy umbrellas by getting an orange and cutting it into quarters and then eating the orange and then putting the peel onto a toothpick so that it made little fairy umbrellas. Aww. I'll have to take a picture and post <laughs> it on well our Instagram cute. for people yeah. to see. Totally. Um, obviously, this was a really, really natural path towards magic and herbalism because I loved Cicely Mary Barker's flower fairies. So I loved being out in nature around flowers and herbs and you know I enjoyed aromatherapy because of this and for my parents they were just like yeah this is an outlet. It was actually when I was about eight and nine that I was given my first deck of cards which were a Lenormand deck actually they were called Titania's Fortune card and I used these as a way of just getting guidance and comfort and support just pulling little readings for myself and I learned I was quite obsessive so I learned all the cards in and out really really just fed off of them now my mum and my auntie both read they'd had it passed down through their family line so I I feel like I felt connected with something 
I felt this sense of unity when I was reading, but also it just gave solid guidance. Yeah, it's the cards you never it. tell you to act like a little shit, do they? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. found it so early. Yeah, I was. I was lucky. I used to collect Mind Body Spirit magazine. I was obsessed. Oh, obsessed. I remember those. So obviously, as I got a little bit older, so when I got to ten, I actually was in a car accident, and as a result of that, I suffered with PTSD and. If you follow me on Instagram, you will have noticed I'm bald. This was a post-traumatic stress response that gave me what's called trichotillomania. I actually pulled my hair out. And as a result of that, the encouragement toward any sort of alternative path that might help and heal me was magnified. I obviously began reading cards more and more and my mum got me involved with Jay, actually, who does my initiatory training. And I began going to her moots as a teenager and um, going to Brahma Kamaris where I had like one-to-one meditation lessons and all this time I was doing all this healing work that now as an adult is absolutely integral to my witchcraft. One thing that people don't tell you is there are so many witches tucked away in council estates. <laughs> you know, there's like a witch on every street in a council estate and you just don't realise. So my auntie Patsy actually gave me a book on Wicca. She, she, she wasn't my actual auntie. One of them people. She was my mum's best aunties. friends. Yeah, they aren't actually. Yeah. They're the best aunties. <laughs> so she gave me Eileen Holland's um, Wicca handbook. That's a really amazing beginner book. Um, if anybody is just starting out, it's a really really great book full of correspondences and spells and really easy to understand and just lovely book all around but obviously at that point she was just like oh here's this book it sounds like all the stuff that you already do and I was like okay and all of a sudden I had a framework for what I was already doing so I'd kind of meandered through childhood doing all these different witchy and meditation and healing practices already had like a knowledge of like herbs and crystals and flowers in magic and you know little spells and things and then I had this book and for me that was a real moment as a child um especially um, point in your life yeah but now interestingly a lot of magic stuff does take me back to that maidenhood as in there's a real playfulness to it and I know that like a lot of the time when you do things that are healing whether it's artwork poetry writing music or walking in nature a lot of us feel a real connection with that in a child but for me things like creating sigils or making my own incense or writing in my book of shadows those are things that make me feel really playful and childlike and give me a lot of comfort and yeah I'm just really really grateful that that I was kind of guided onto this path and also for all the witches that were hiding in the council estate because not only (laughs) did I have Patsy on one street but I had Shirley who you'll know from our tarot classes on the other and she did things like Reiki and EFT for me and she used to bring her angel oracle cards around and you know she was just so fascinating to talk to that for me I was I was like a little sponge just soaking it all up and I think people thought that that maybe one day I'd grow out of it but but I just never, never did. did never did yeah and now I'm a complete and utter witch and I think all the healing work that I did for my behavior issues I'm probably one of the most patient peaceful people I know <laughs> but also in terms of the hair loss and things it really helped with things like self-acceptance it was just so beneficial on so many levels for me in terms of me actually 
developing my practice but also developing my self-love and my self-worth and you know it's my career now so what more could I want from life is that you go through your life and you see people and you go oh they look a bit like me and you're kind of going are you a witch (laughs) yeah you witch like yeah (laughs) that was like us on your doorstep when we became friends that's a story we'll have to tell one day (laughs) yeah just stood there just for like an hour on my doorstep so I bloody hell I better invite invite her in because we've got a lot in common are we friends now I think what was really nice is, you know, when I look back over my childhood, um, the Christmas presents, my sister um, was two years older than me and she'd be getting like M&M CDs and hoodies and baggy jeans and things like that, you know, Burberry hats. And for (laughs) me, my parents got me cast iron wands and wooden books of shadows. And yeah, in fact, most of my tools my dad bought me and he's the sceptic in the family. So it's always like just really really lovely to have that sort of almost lifelong connection with your good. items and see how cool I am when you said an M&M CD I was like what like sweeties like a sweet <laughs> sweetie <laughs> like M&M sweet mm. not the singer <laughs> no I mean yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie I'm gonna struggle with the maiden because I didn't enjoy my childhood and I wasn't a witch in my childhood and I became a witch as an adult as a as a parent even though my mum was a witch, but she wouldn't ever call herself a witch. My life was all about being a goth, not a witch, a goth. But you've got two amazing little maidens. I mean, I have two, but I think sometimes just looking at the life that your practice offers to your kids is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Because you've got to think all the creativity and little things like having teas to make them and your witchy biscuits. and... And one of them does have a pet dragon called Dorothy and she's been around for about three years now everywhere we go we've got this imaginary pet dragon on a scooter behind us on the school run and she's really big and she's like rainbow colored I've got a drawing of her and everything oh, wow. and that she yeah. has eggs every so often and then they have babies and and I you know I'm always quite interested in an imaginary friends and because that's kind of like a form of magic you've it? got your own dragon as well uh yeah I've got an actual bearded dragon because a witch needs a dragon, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's quite moody, though. He's an old bearded dragon and he's picky, doesn't eat all, and he just wants bugs all the time. And he looks at you with an evil eye, <laughs> like judging you. <laughs> he's like Victor Meldrew, but as a lizard, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love him, but he stinks and he's so moody. <laughs> he's the smelliest lizard I've ever met. He ever. is. He is a yeah. smelly. And he does dirty protests and everything. Oh. I, pref- I prefer the imaginary dragon at times, I tell you that. I think that you should share the Maiden's Witchy Biscuits. Oh, yes. Witchy Biscuits makes it sound like it's like a street name, doesn't it? Like, you got any Witchy Biscuits? Like, <laughs> sipping you a penna. <laughs> like, dealing them on the corner under a, under a light. That's what it was like after the Christmas party, though, that year, wasn't it? Last year. When you, you brought your witchy biscuits and then everyone was literally comatose that night. <laughs> so, I, so I make these I make these shortbread um, with lavender from my garden. And I've got this big book that I got the recipe from. Bake It Yourself by w- Richard Burr. I guess he was a winner of a baking competition that I'm not cool enough to watch. <laughs> I got it from the book people. Do you remember them? No. Oh, no, my I God. I missed the book people people so anyway lavender shortbread is dead easy and it's Um, gorgeous honestly i think a lot of that is to do with 
the lavender from my garden. I collect it of every summer. I collect loads of it. I put it in jars. Um, so I have it all year so I can make them whenever I want. But everybody who eats them can tell they've got magic in them and just sleeps soundly <laughs> after they've eaten them. <laughs> and I've got these cutters that are the shape of witchy goddess and a god and a triple moon. Uh, and I got them from Etsy. They're really easy to find because so there's a company that makes them. So I find the name now. Baker ba- Lodgy. Baker Lodgy, like like Baker no, they are. They're a good company, and they do. And you can make anything you want. You can email them with an idea, and they'll make it for you. Oh, they have Venus of Willendorf ones. They have vaginas and all sorts. Tree of Bulbers. life. Yeah, they've got amazing stuff. So the act of cutting the goddess when I roll it out is the mag- very magical in itself. You know, getting it a lovely shape. These are beautiful, guys. I would definitely recommend them. I do them with my kids sometimes because they can add and measure. And then the kneading with shortbread, you can't knead it too much. It's got to be not touched very often to be a perfect shortbread. So you can over knead shortbread. So should I list the ingredients? Yeah. So you want 200 grams of salted butter at room temperature, 100 grams of caster sugar, how much ever lavender you want. I mean, I put loads of lavender in. 300 grams of plain flour and plus some mortar dust. So you chop the butter up, shove it in the the bowl or the Kenwood like I do put the sugar in it mix it up put the flour in it mix that up and then the lavender lasts and it mix it slowly and it all becomes a dough so it's so quick and easy and then take the dough out flour your surface and carefully roll it out as far as you can the fun is getting all the cookie cutters you know so you get as much as you can from the rolled out dough put them on a baking tray I tend to put them in the freezer for 10 minutes so they don't spread out when they cook and then you've got a nicer shape and then you only cook for like, it says 25 minutes, but I think that's too long. I'll probably cook for about 15 minutes. When the gold, they're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really easy to overcook shortbread, so I always look at them. That's 180 degrees Celsius or gas mark four. Take them out, stick them on a cooling rack and then they're good to eat. People love them. They're one of my things now. When I go to Moon Circle, I take a load of goddess cookies. It sounds like you can make a lot of them for quite cheap as well. Yeah. yeah. And you can add different herbs. I once made shortbread where I just ripped up an Earl Grey tea bag and put it in. Whoa, did that turn out good? It turned out nice. It just tasted like Earl Grey tea. Oh, wow. I'm going to try yeah. that. Nice. Chamomile. I mean, you could put anything in shortbread. Lemon, yeah. That's nice, lemon. And sometimes you can dribble chocolate over the top of them as well. It's nice to be mindful while you need them. Sometimes I'm needing, I say out loud, just with bread as well, a good intention into your bread. I need this with love. Whoever eats it receives a good feeling of love and And peace and sleepiness. I guess another thing that you guys could do, um, anyone that's listening, while you're baking, you can always add sigils into your dough. I mean, obviously being careful not to work the shortbread too much you could always draw a sigil over it or that's um, good with bread I've done that with bread in fact that's how I got into sigils a different room circle we made bread and we wrote sigils on them the first ever sigil I made was growth and I was just so into it I was really really making the Mm. bread putting a sigil on it and eating it yeah how do you like to make your sigils get dead mathematical me I'm proper you know like magic squares out gematria out it's it's like a whole operation. I'm completely the opposite to that. 
<laughs> so I tend to, if I'm doing it for somebody, I'll ask them exactly what they want and I'll write a sentence from it and then I'll cross out a few letters and put it together, maybe do it again, put it together and then like turn the pages around and see patterns in what I've got left is really weird mm-hmm. and the, and and pretty often the immediate you know and they don't look like words anymore to me and it just kind of grows from there and it it's like it gets a life of its own it's unstoppable the process and I go into some kind of weird time warp and then before you know it there's this weird looking sigil that's just appeared I do those as well as like quick sigils for me so like like I'll just take letters and I try to take out as many of the letters as I can. Um, so I take out any repeat letters or any vowels, unless the vowels are ones that I really like. Oh, and yeah. So I try and make yeah. them into an image. But for me, nothing beak getting your magic square out and <laughs> doing it, you know, really, really mathematically. It's just oh, no. satisfying. No, I'm not a maths. I hate maths. <laughs> <laughs> not a maths person at all. But I, I've made yeah. like sigils is one of my favourite magic ever and my most successful magic yeah so in terms of like for anyone listening who wants to try out sigils you can use them in so many different ways they are such a versatile way of creating magic whether you draw them on your hands whether you draw them around your house in moon water or specific oils or whether you add them to the food that you're baking and that might be you know if you were doing your cookies you might be just putting the sigil into the dough and then kneading it back out and nobody knows it was there. Or it might be just carving it into the top and then leaving it during the baking. Um, you could, yeah, you could do loads. You draw, draw them in a mirror, put them as your screensavers on your phone. I used to make temporary coaster for my tea with one on or my biscuits, put my biscuits on the sigil and then eat the biscuit. I like stirring them into my tea. Stir them in, draw them yeah. in the dirt when you garden to help stuff grow. There's just the endless art, there's just so much you yeah. can apply it to. It's like easy applied magic. Yeah. It's so amazing. I love yeah. it. So if you do create any sigils, let us know. Share them with us. We want to see all your images and we want to see all your feedback. In fact, after the last episode, which was our pilot episode, we were just overwhelmed by how much lovely feedback we got so if you guys bake the cookies or make any sigils do share them with us because that's why we do this and in fact we got a couple of question submissions in fact we got we got quite a few questions sent didn't we and we've decided to answer one at the toward the end of each episode what was it if you have to go to a desert island but first we need to figure out if the desert island has water or not (laughs) This is, yeah, this is something that we can This discuss. is what we got hooked up on, Lily. It was like, what is, is the sea? Yeah, because the... we spoke about this over our brew at the weekend. <laughs> like, what, what free witchy items would you take with you to a desert island? But because it's desert, maybe there's no water then. Because one thing that we thought, which we both kind of agreed on, was if there's water, you've got something, presumably it's got salt in it. Now, yeah. if not, you may want salt as a protective ingredient because as a witch in the desert, you are maybe thinking of those desert elementals that you may want to protect yourself from. So it's magical tools, you know, it's not just like, it's not yeah, your tent not and just your like tarp your, and your string, yeah. yeah. Or like your 
your garden fork or your, your spoon yeah. or <laughs> your lifetime supply of pot noodles. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite magical. It's what witchy tools would you like to take? <laughs> so we did say if there's water there, then that kind of means that you've got hopefully access to some salt and also magical water because you can use it for moon water, which is really, really nice. I would take a bit boring, but a pen and the old book of shadows to write shit down. Um, I agree on that one. That's yeah. one that I'd want. I mean, to make an altar, you could just use the stuff that's around you, couldn't you? Maybe some matches to light stuff. It's quite boring, but <laughs> important. <laughs> yeah, and... but you could also make fire depending on what resources were around you. Doing the old stick and... <laughs> yeah, that. blowing yeah, it. <laughs> no, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. I need matches. Or a liar mm. might be better. Oh, that runs out of gas. One more thing. Maybe my little goddess and god statue on my altar. Because I do actually quite love them. They are beautiful. And I take them around when I mm. go on holiday. You've seen them on the Instagram. We'll put them on the Instagram. Yeah, they are gorgeous. I remember when you got those, actually, at Witchfest. Yeah, Witchfest. 2019. Before COVID bollocks, that was. Yeah. That was 2019, wasn't it? Or was it 2018? No, I think it's it been nine. a long time. We'll have to do it again this year. Yeah. I would take a tarot deck probably a thoth deck because i think any other deck would get really boring really really quickly and i think if you if you're on a desert island and you can't do much at least you can think and meditate and stew and the thoth deck is my favorite deck for that i would also take <laughs> alistair crowley's libra aba or libra however you say it the four books of magic because it's huge and I will never actually read it cover to cover without being on a desert island with nothing else to do. <laughs> I would say, you know, Book of Shadows, perhaps. But I also did think maybe Athame, the elementals that are available to you. I mean, they're available to you anyway, but I just feel like in a desert, when I think desert, I think desert elementals. I think like, you know, like sandstorms and windstorms and you know that that Lilith energy so I like the idea of being able to direct energy wherever I need to you say you've got to threaten them with it that was pretty cool yeah this is one of the <laughs> things in Wicca is people always think you know you hear these words like oh directing energies and it sounds so lovely and you kind of imagine say with anathema it's a black handled knife and people think oh I use it to direct energies and to me that mental image is the image of perhaps drawing a circle with a knife or doing a bit of wafty and your knife sort of having energies coming from it or helping push the energies around what it actually means is like commanding elementals energy so when it says directing it means commanding it means saying to an elemental you go do my bidding and it's like you're a human so you know an elemental is not a fully incorporated being you know, they have one element. A fire elemental, it might look scary, but it is one element. Whereas a human, you are all five elements and you have a sharp knife and you wave <laughs> it at them. So they're going to go where you want them to go. Like, what fucking mess with me? I've got a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Just casually threatening an element. It's, it is funny, yeah. <laughs> I may stab you if you don't do what I tell you. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But I just think there are a lot of good reasons to have a knife if you're on there this island anyway. And Athame, obviously, directing energies in that way. But also maybe a baleen 
for harvesting, carving out a circle in the sand or however What's you want that? to. What's that? Is that one of them big rounded knives? They are often sickle shaped, yeah. So yeah. you have two knives in wicker. You have a black handled knife and a white handled knife. Uh-huh. Your black handled knife is commonly called your athame um, or athame depending on how people pronounce it and that is your knife that does not cut anything it is used only for directing energies it never draws blood but also it just doesn't cut anything your baleen is usually white handled and usually sort of sickle shapes but they don't have to be mine's an antler handled just like sharp knife normal knife and you use those for harvesting anything that you want to harvest so you might use it for foraging you might use it for carving sigils into a wax candle if you are doing that it's your knife that you use for cutting essentially mm. but witchy cutting because you want to be cutting. fancy don't you? you don't just want the, the oh, kitchen no. knife yeah I'm a bit I'm a bit shit stuff like that I just use a needle <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've never met a witch that doesn't like knives and doesn't like daggers and swords and things That's like that. So I think, yeah. Pointy objects. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just an excellent reason to have a few knives. Do you have an athame? No, no, I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of scared of Clem finding it and stabbing a sister with it. So You can get ones that aren't sharp. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes people have like, they do like resin ones with flowers in. Oh, yeah, I'm I've a bit dubious those. about those just because of the nature of what you're using it for. I can't imagine being a fire elemental and seeing somebody wave some resin with flowers <laughs> in it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's actually a combat knife. It's um, a Fairbairn Sykes combat knife. So it's just two blades either side. It's quite symmetrical. From the whole length of it, including the hilt, is about the length of my forearm. So it's short but sharp. Do you find magic is better with them? Would you, you oh, can't go without them? Absolutely. I, don't, I think that it's one of your essential tools. I would say that given the choice between an athame and a wand, I would choose an athame. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. See, I, I really yeah. like my wand and I use it a lot. Yeah, but you can use yeah. your finger, can't you? I mean, you can technically use your finger for either, but I feel like your wand... Your finger's not very sharp, though. It's not very... That's uh, it, isn't it? <laughs> But, I mean, like, we've all had somebody wave the finger at us, haven't we? Like, the teacher getting in your face, wagging the finger. But I think um, it's it's easier to use your hands in a way that, that is more similar to using a wand, in my personal opinion. I do have a sexy one, though. So What's your wand? It's willow wrapped around a really nice, big, thick piece of wood. And it's got a crystal on it. That oh. wrapped around with purple twine. And it just feels good to hold. I got that from a camping festival a few years back. I've had some beautiful ones. I had one, the one that my dad got me that was the iron one. And that had a crystal tip. And I loved that. And I can't find it anywhere. I believe that I gave it to Eartha when she was like four because I didn't actually use it. And then I had one and that was like willow that was sort of twisted and it had resin. Uh, and rose quartz sort of setting the resin and then a crystal coming out of the tip but I didn't like you know I don't like things I'm a complainer there's always a niggle I didn't like the use of resin on it it felt unnatural to me I wanted to have only natural materials so when I get things I like them to be quite rustic and feel quite hearty and wholesome and I think sometimes stuff looks really really rustic and nice but then it's unnatural and I've used that one 
Um, I've still got it somewhere, but God knows where <laughs> in the mess of the house. And then I also had a really beautiful one that somebody made me actually. That's gone as well because that person we actually had falling out. But he was really, really, really talented. He was into like woodland walks and woodland photography. Amazing photographer. And he actually got he got some. Um, he used to be able to age trees by looking at the menu, all the local landmarks and things like the historic landmark. He got a tree and whittled it down so it had like the bark as the handle, but then the rest of it had been stripped. And then he'd wrapped copper around it. And then from the end of it, he'd actually whittled a bell out of an acorn. Oh, so it had an acorn on it that was a little bell that rattled and it was gorgeous but ubiquitous someone you can't really you don't really want to use their stuff magically do you so that went in the for Eartha to play with pile at some point and witchy toys I will get a wand again I just like using my finger that sounds like um, it does yeah (laughs) I wasn't going to say (laughs) we did say that we might use just a couple of moments at the end of an episode to share local happenings in the pagan community or books that we recommend or services or local businesses that we recommend. Sally Lightly, family doula who does maternal journals workshops among other things. I have only ever done one of her workshops but I know that Swales has done many and I thought that she might deserve a little shout out and you know if you guys would like to go and follow her then you can find her on Instagram. Uh, yes she's one of my good friends is Sally. In fact I made her a sigil, it's my most successful sigil to sell a house. I made it early December and then she sold the house three weeks later and she didn't tell me. <laughs> Until about two months later when I was going, um, you know, that's the deal I made. Did it work? And she was like, oh, my God, it works straight away. And I completely forgot to tell you. So I'd be kind of waiting around in the wings. Wondering, is she, has she sold it? Is she not? Has she sold it? But yeah, it was, a, it was a powerful one, that. And it had a little bell and a little rhyme. Sally Lightly, family doula on Instagram. The reason that I really, really like her is because the journaling work that she does, she always sets out to inspire others, even if they can't make it to her workshop. So workshops are incredible and the prompts within them but also just that style of journaling I feel like is a creative and witchy act even if you even if you're not into witchcraft I think it, it's just so therapeutic seeing people's pages that they've created I think is always a really really lovely part of it's, it's a lovely week. thing to do yeah no we, I do them with a, nearly every week and you don't have to be a parent to do them because the maternal aspect can be being maternal to yourself feeling maternal to your mum or your dad or a sibling you know you don't have to have a kid to join but I always remember like what it gave you in terms of when we when we did tarot classes and I set everybody homework to do a little bit of a journal on tarot you know to pick a card and journal it or do like a diary as they went and Swales came in with the most beautiful hand-painted journal with each page decorated in a way that really replicated the energy of the cards now some people came in with just books with papers in you know just typed papers which is my style I'm the writer and they get all the info out of my head onto the paper where what Swales did was like used her journaling talents to capture the essence of the cards on paper and I feel like at least p- 
part of the inspiration behind that behind that style of journaling of came from Sally, didn't it? It's magic. It's magic on paper. And it? is Sally a witchy lady as well? I know that yes, she's involved in a lot of witchy is. ladies. She, yeah. she does. She does tarot and oracle. I'm always going like, "Hey, Sally, have you seen this deck?" And she's like, "Get it, get it." <laughs> with yeah. me which is side hustle if you guys have any other recommendations things that you want to share with us or that you'd like to see us share let us know because we have loads of amazing books and resources that that we'd like to share with you but we will run out eventually <laughs> is that what do yeah. witches do they buy shit lot of books and then they just pile them by the bed <laughs> <laughs> and say one day I'll read that. I just I read do. mine. I have got a very lengthy reading list if anybody ever wants to hear it. What are you currently reading? A Witch in Time, which is a fictional book. It's about a witch time travelling, but I've just started it. Sounds really good. So the problem with me is I'd rather read fiction than non-fiction, which is why it takes me so long to get through witchcraft books that I steam through novels i'm reading the witch's Kabbalah, the pagan path and the tree oh, of life by God. ellen cannon Reed. you're such a swat though proper swatty i know i know i'm dreadful for it jordan's like this amazing reading. on it witch like out there doing magic and i'm just like, <laughs> like this half-ass witch going like oh damn. did a bit of manifesting these are lies. I'm 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 a chaotic person, just like Swales. Uh, I'm also reading Robert Hardy's The Witch's Pyramid, which is a really really good book. If anybody likes Kabbalah and meditation, it walks you through Kabbalah, but also different pathworking exercises that you can do, and it's just so fun. It's just nice to do that journeying and sort of do. That. I like meditating, don't I? And I feel like having a goal in the meditations help. We're thinking about doing a meditation episode with. Uh, Jodie's beautiful voice talking you through meditation if that's something you're interested in or you want us to do it let us know we've got a new Instagram as well we've set it up for this podcast is it the underscore the underscore bell underscore witch underscore podcast I'm not sure about the underscores they just kind of did it to themselves should I keep them or should I not Mm -hmm. I kept them anyway so if you find us follow us and if you hear this and you like it, rate us, tell all your friends how good it is. Give us your feedback because we want to know that you guys are getting something out of this. And because we're so new to this, your feedback stays us in the right direction. And now we will always be rustic because we are two mums, you know. We've got, I've got a baby in bed and a nine-year-old playing Minecraft or something at the moment. And Swales has two young kids as well. So it's always going to be a little bit rustic. It's always going to be a little bit down to earth and a little bit unpolished. We're not professionals in a podcasting studio, but we want to give you guys the content that that you need and to answer the questions that you all have and to help guide you on your own little witchy path. Ah, yeah, we've got right nice headphones with a microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have. We've, we did up tech. We've got little microphones and headsets. Um, so steer us in the right direction tell us what you want give us your feedback we really really welcome it and relish it at this stage Um, always 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 but I mean especially at the moment you you could be pinnacle in shaping the future of the bell witch podcast the bell witch podcast I love it (laughs) you got shit to say do a podcast the bell end podcast (laughs) (laughs) the bell end podcast Cool. All right, then we'll bugger off. Then. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Two weeks, and we'll be talking about the mother archetype in the maiden mother crone. Which I'll have a lot to say about that because that's what I identify with. So it'll be most mm-hmm. me, Gabby, 
and you listening. Okay, then. <laughs> Bye. Right. Bye.